Good morning. Welcome to After the Gig. I'm Jesse. Today on the show, I'm very excited, very, very excited to have the great Annie Clements. Annie is from New Orleans. She lives in Nashville. Big musical family. Played for a couple little outfits called, uh, you know, Sugarland. She currently plays for Marin Morris. You've probably heard of her. She's from New Orleans, based in Nashville. Killer, killer, killer bass player. She also has a side project in Nashville called Side Piece. Probably not playing right now, but they're working on an EP that they're kind of piecing together. We'll talk a bit about that in the episode. Without further ado, let's just get to it. Let's get to it. It's early in the morning. You need some company on your drive to work. If you're in the Northeast, it's snowing and it, there's a lot of snow on the ground. So be careful. Have a great day. If you want to email into the podcast, it's afterthegigpod at gmail.com. Have a great day. Enjoy the episode with Annie Clements and stay tuned for the music at the end of the episode. It's an Amos Lee live recording from Red Rocks and it features Annie on bass and also features her on the uh, one of the verses. So you can hear Annie sing and tearing it up on the bass. So without further ado. Any I listen to a lot of Tim Ferriss. That's my main thing. Oh, really? Yeah, he okay. is like a productivity guy he wrote the four-hour work week and uh has he's just he's got a a cool podcast that i listen to basically every night to help me fall asleep yeah (laughs) that or sleep with me which is a great (laughs) podcast for falling asleep (laughs) uh it's a really good one it's this guy who like he talks in this really low voice and he tells these like really boring stories that don't really make any sense so your brain is just enough engaged to like <laughs> sort of not think about the weird shit happening in your life and then you just fall asleep and then you just sleep with ASMR it is it's got some of that stuff going on and too. then he does it's like really fun. oh yeah stuff like that yeah <laughs> yeah um no but I mean we we were it, it was crazy this last year when we had our kid and um we actually tried to induce a few days early just because, Oof. just because, I mean, it, it was, you know, it's our first kid. Yeah. Um, and usually the first one doesn't come early or on time. It's usually a little bit late. So uh, we were really nervous that the lockdowns were going to prevent even me from being in, in the room. And yeah, and, I went through the same, all of this. Yeah. So it's just like, we couldn't do that. I mean, we were just, we kind of put our foot down. We're like, we refuse to even have that be an option. So before anything is announced, you know, a couple days before she was like ready to, you know, it it was ready to happen. It was a couple days before the due date. And, and we went in early to induce just to make sure that we could go through it together. Um, which was a great decision, but the induction didn't really take. Oh no. Yeah. So it didn't take, so we were there for like a couple of days and, and Jen really went through, um, 
it was a it was a tough labor uh but did she end up did you guys have to have a c-section or how did it all yes yeah so they noticed that it's like okay there really hasn't been much progress you're here it's 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 we gotta we gotta get this baby out of here so um we did that and that was kind of a traumatic experience because it wasn't what she was expecting it wasn't what she really wanted but it ended up being like the the best the best option, the best thing that happened. And, and, yeah. you know, I mean, it's crazy. It's it cra- crazy. Did, we did went you have through, a, Oh yeah. We went through all of that too. So okay. my, and I'll just, I'll just kind of tell you from the sort of the beginning what my, our story was. So I have obviously been touring for, you know, well over a decade and the idea of starting a family just seemed sort of impossible <laughs> with my touring schedule and the lifestyle. And, um, I just decided I need to start freezing my eggs and getting ahead of this if I do ever want to have kids. So I started doing that and uh, with not wonderful success, you know, I got, uh, and I, I want to talk openly about it because I want other people in my position to know about it as an option and I want sure. it to be something that, I mean, I know in certain certain parts of the country, like on the West Coast and, and probably on the East Coast too, a lot of employers like Google will actually pay for their employees to have their eggs frozen so that they can really have a baby when on their timetable and how they want to do it and yeah. and you know just work it all out, which I think is incredible. And essentially, that's what I did for myself. So I froze some eggs and uh, we ended up only with one viable embryo after everything and and I had you know I've told Marin what I was doing she knew about it and then when she got pregnant in August of 2019 she told us very early in her pregnancy which was really you know kind of her to trust us with that information and obviously when you're you know when you're touring with people it's hard to keep that type of thing a secret yeah um and i ended up oh my god i finally had to tell the guys on on my bus because i had such horrible morning sickness that i finally had to tell them like look I know I'm throwing up. It's it's not contagious. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't have like a, something that you're gonna get. Like, <laughs> I don't I don't think any of you could have a baby, but uh, yeah. So I uh, so she told us, and I just said, "What do you think about me also having a baby?" And she was like, "Well, you don't have to ask me permission." I'm like, "Well, you know, <laughs> I don't know. You're my you're my boss. Think I'm my whole like position secure of my employment is that I'm always available whenever you call me. You right. Need me. And she was just incredible. She was so incredible with everything and laid out a whole maternity package for me. Uh, lined up to have an all female bus for the next the 2020 tour, which of course has was canceled. Right. But had made arrangements to have a bus with a back lounge bedroom for me and baby. I mean, just incredible, just unbelievable. I had already lined up a sub for the first, you know, 10 weeks after Nora's due date, which was June. Uh, well, we also induced it was June 11th. The real due date, I think, was the 18th, but they wanted to induce a week early because that's what, typically what they do with IVF pregnancies. So, oh, really? I, I wasn't yeah, there. I they just whatever statistically they like to induce at 39 weeks. And so we mm. which was, you know, it was like nice to know the whole time. Like 
I will be having a baby on June 11th. And it ended up, we also didn't have great success with the induction. And she came very late, which came early in the morning on June 12th after like 24 hours. And they had given me well above the recommended (laughs) allotment of Pitocin. And I was throwing up the whole time. Oh my God. Uh, Yeah, it was, it was pretty miserable. It was pretty rough stuff, but I managed to actually have a vaginal delivery, which I was, you know, really glad that I got to have that, you know, outcome, but it was definitely challenging. So if I could do it again, I would not probably induce. I would (laughs) wait for nature to take its course. Yeah. That was, that was something that, you know, we didn't know. We were kind of, we were kind of thinking that we were thinking that like, we're going to get, get ahead of the game and, and, and whatever, but that, that dude is going to do whatever he wants. (laughs) Um, and, uh, and he still does. It's cool that you have the option to do that and, and, freeze eggs and you know say yeah. hey this is a window of opportunity here where i can i can exactly. have a baby and she, start so a family i was i think 11 weeks behind marin from when she got pregnant to when i we did the embryo transfer and uh and it was crazy because i was on tour <laughs> so we're in the middle of the tour i mean the whole time i i the whole time i was going on this journey I was on the road and I was having to give myself shots, you know, to get to the point where I could freeze eggs. That's a whole series of injections. And then when you're getting ready to do a transfer, you have to give yourself shots, but they have to go in your butt. (laughs) So you have to find somebody to give you shots. (laughs) And uh, luckily... Who was the resident? Well, I got so lucky. I cannot even tell you. Um, our, she's a production assistant. She was doing uh, VIP backstage hosting. Uh, Karina Argau ended up, uh, hap- happened to be a former EMT. Really? And, so, and a woman uh, who I love. So she and I, we'd, we'd call it shots in the back lounge. So we'd be in the back lounge <laughs> at the end of every show, giving me my shot. Just doing um, shots. Doing shots. Not recommended when the bus is in motion. Um, but oh I God. have I have done shots in every bathroom of every arena and large venue across America. It's crazy. It's uh, so crazy. But we managed to do it. We managed to, to get it done. And, uh, and then, yeah, and then I managed to, we had one shot at an embryo transfer and leading up to it, I had been going to acupuncture, which they also, you know, there's research that says that that's helpful in preparing your body for pregnancy. And, um, so I'd been going to my regular acupuncturist and then I had to do a transfer and then the next day leave for tour, having no Mm. idea, you know, you have to wait a couple weeks and see if the pregnancy took and I also wasn't going to be able to get to my acupuncturist. So you have to go like two days later. And so right. I had to, you know, we were in, actually we are in Louisiana where I'm from, from New Orleans. We were in Lafayette opening for Miranda Lambert. And I was able, thank God, to get an appointment with an acupuncture clinic in Lafayette. And, you know, just took an Uber over and they weren't even open that day. And I called him and the guy very generously you know, said, I'll, I'll come over and do this for you. And, um, yeah. And then it was that night. I remember just being on the bus and feeling, feeling really weird, (laughs) you know, wait a second. Yeah. Things started changing. Something's different. Something's different. Um, yeah. And then I ended up having pretty bad morning sickness 
for the first really through week 18 of my pregnancy damn yeah that long yeah yeah it's pretty bad the worst is when you eat a bowl of cereal (laughs) and then immediately throw it up and it's still cold (laughs) (laughs) that's the worst I don't know. I, I, wouldn't it be worst. better? Wouldn't it be better? It's a little more refreshing on the way oh, back up. <laughs> it was so bad. And then, and then, like you know, having to like yell for our stage check, like just get a bucket, just get a bucket ready, just in case. Like, oh you know, my god, during yeah, you shows, your, your and, side stage bucket oh, area. Totally. Luckily, nothing ever happened during a show, but it would always be, you know, on the bus, usually in the middle of the night. I mean, they call it morning sickness, but it would be like right. two in the morning sickness. Yeah. Yeah, super so, early morning sickness. How yeah. how long were you taking those the shots for? Oh my gosh, you have to do twelve weeks, basically the whole first trimester of wow. you know of shots to help your body, you know, just maintain the pregnancy. Yeah. Um, but leading up to that, you have to do several weeks of shots before you do the embryo transfer. Um, so then I had luckily, because all throughout this, when I wasn't on the road with Marin, I was playing two nights a week downtown Broadway with my side project, Side Piece. Side and piece. Side Piece. And luckily, the fiddle player in Side Piece is also uh, a nurse. She was a registered okay. nurse. So uh, she would give me shots in the bathroom uh, at the Redneck Riviera. <laughs> and it's owned, it's owned by John Rich. And he has portraits of himself hung all throughout the venue. And he has this like picture of himself in the women's room facing the toilet. Like, so we've, you know, I've I've taken all these shots under the watchful eye of John Rich. (laughs) It's very ridiculous. ridiculous. It's so so ridiculous. ridiculous. It's insane. Anyway, it's the rock and roll lifestyle. Rock and roll. It's not the same thing. It's super rock and roll but i also i have uh i have crohn's disease and i take a shot mm. uh every it's not every day or whatever you had to do but it's every yeah. every uh eight weeks mm-hmm. so i've i've taken some shots in some weird some weird places <laughs> as well um i had thought about taking one on the bus and i the same as you i I declined and I was like, eh, yeah. it's probably not such a good idea. This is uh, not something I really want to waste no. and get and get in like my, you know, shoulder or something. <laughs> right. Because <laughs> that, I don't think it works up there. Was it tough to, when you got further along in your pregnancy, was it like tough to perform? Yes. Uh, so it's interesting, the timing of all of this, because I was fully expecting to be, you know, playing throughout my pregnancy um Mm. and we got to you know that first week of march and she was born in june so i was in my entering my third trimester and playing you know four hour gigs uh, downtown broadway by that point marin was off the road because she was so far along in her pregnancy she had her baby in april so we had wrapped tour at the end of 2019, uh, we finished, you know, some marriage shows, her headlining shows, and then we did a run with Miranda Lambert. Um, so I was still like first trimester at the end of that, and then I was just downtown Broadway doing four nights or four hours a night, two nights a week, with side piece, and it did get to the point where I had to be sitting on a stool, you know, I had to be yeah. 
but it was funny because was it part of the uh part of the uh banter oh yeah like who yeah, wants yeah. to hear a pregnant lady sing uh, led zeppelin's rock and roll you know here we go <laughs> <laughs> we everybody, everybody get your cameras out oh yeah well and what would be so <laughs> great was that behind the bass you know and of course as i got bigger the bass would kind of shifted uh, around my body i definitely was playing like randy jackson style like okay. <laughs> So, you know, I got higher and higher and, you know, kind of more off to the side. But people, you know, just walking in off the street didn't necessarily know immediately that I was pregnant. And so mm -hmm. often someone will, like, send shots up to the band, you know, <laughs> and I would just kind of, like, turn to the side and yeah. reveal. And it was just like, hey, thanks, but no thanks. You know, appreciate yeah. you. Appreciate you. Appreciate you. Um, I didn't drink all of uh, uh, from September 2019 till was it christmas i think it was in it solidarity with jen not um because that didn't not completely the whole time i was pregnant which i really appreciated that's really awesome yeah. i i didn't quite do it for that reason but it just kind of worked out that way it was mm -hmm. it just ended up being another reason but um you know you know it is when you're on the road and you just yeah. kind of get every every night it's like you just keep saying yes to the next one oh, and yeah. then gotta come and home was, and dry out yeah and then mm -hmm. i was like you know i just i, I want to not do that and for that whole year and then isn't it amazing how differently you feel when you're not drinking every night you feel great i mean it's like anything you think after a while you think you need it to perform yeah. and i was like i've never needed to drink or anything to I perform know. i'm you know I, i'm just i love to play and I, like, I like to do this i know how to do this so but it was, becomes a ritual and it becomes right part of it and it becomes a habit and it also has to do a lot with with the people that are around you sure and the yeah, culture yeah and the people i'm playing with now like definitely support like you know, there's no pressure. There's no yeah. pressure to drink or anything like that. So I felt, I felt like, you know, not, not that it was before, but just example, you can see times when there's like, Oh, come on, we're all doing this. And then you want to be, you want to be a part of it. You know, sure. you're most, you know, you're young and, and you want to be out, you want to experience, you're traveling the country or sometimes the world and you want to yeah. be able to experience things and stuff. But no, I just, and I've on, it's interesting, certain tours and certain seasons of my life have been, more in that culture and less in that culture. And when I joined Sugarland in 2006, uh, I was 25 years old. I had just come off a big drinking tour <laughs> uh, and uh, with my band, uh, the Sons of William, and we've been opening for this guy, Mark Broussard, who's just still one of my favorite artists. I love Mark Broussard. Oh my God, it's unbelievable. So that was, you know, incredible. And that was my first, like, on a bus tour and it was a super yeah. party zone god we were I wild mean, yeah. it was awesome it was super fun and then i went to sugarland and jennifer and christian just weren't really interested in drinking if they did we would have like you know an end of tour party that would turn into some hilarious you know right. whatever um and they liked you know they end up getting into like wine down the road you yeah know, years later but we were the everyone teased us because we were like the yoga and soy milk bus <laughs> you know it just wasn't that type of a hang and so i went for years and years and years with that not really being a part of the culture of my yep. workplace and then when i got to amos amos lee um you know those guys 
it was just a different vibe. Like they, you would take a drink out on stage. Like, I would never do that on Sugarland. Yep. And I didn't drink on Amos. And so I kind of took that over to that first, you know, year of Amos. And I was kind of, you know, I think viewed as a stick in the mud in a lot of ways. Cause you think I, so? Yeah, yeah. And I, I mean, I love those guys and they're my family, but they, and they were, no one was like, annoyed necessarily but on the last won't get wasted exactly and it won't get totally (laughs) messed up uh yeah so the but the very first run i did with them the last night of the tour we had an end of tour party and i had some drinks and yeah everyone was like where has this person been (laughs) (laughs) like this person's got to stay locked down until the professional went home. Exactly. <laughs> and he's here now. Yeah, exactly. So, um, it just kind of depends, but on Marin, it's, uh, she likes to have their, their big thing is tequila. Ooh. So she loves like tequila. good tequila and she makes really great margaritas, which her nickname on the road is Marvin. So we call them Marveritas. Most people call her Marv, <laughs> uh, on our, our tour. So where'd that come from? Um, it's kind of a thing where she has a unique name, you know, okay. Marin and yeah. M-A-R-E-N. And it's kind of like any, any person with a unique name, you see the, you know, athletes talk about it a lot. Like, you know, no one could pronounce my name until I was famous or whatever. Oh, okay. So yeah. you get called all these different, is it Marin, Marin, <laughs> Marin, Marvin, is it Marvin? You know, so that's where. Marvin think, Maris. Where Marvin, yes, we, we do call her. Marvin Maris and very various uh, iterations, but yes, Marv is the nickname, and Marveritas are the beverage, and so, um, but not like to excess. It's kind of like a one yeah. and done situation. Yeah, but you're gonna enjoy a this, nice margarita. Oh, a nice margarita. But all this to say, when I would go through my you know IVF stuff, where I'd be having to give myself injections for however many weeks, twelve weeks, to get ready for another egg freezing cycle, I wouldn't be drinking. Yeah. And you don't know <laughs> until you stop, even if you're just having one drink a night, like, oh, my God, I feel incredible. <laughs> like, my yeah. skin looks really good, and I just feel clear, and I have more energy. Mm. And I felt so great not doing it that I, for a long time, I just didn't do it. And then, yeah. you know, now I have a baby, and <laughs> yeah. I want to drink a lot. <laughs> yeah, and now I, I, that's all out the window. <laughs> Yeah, we're we're good. We we save it for a Friday night, old fashions. What we do together. Ooh, so. that's uh. So I, I used to be a bartender for a long time. And, oh wow! Uh, and old fashioned was my favorite drink to make. I really? make them. I make them like you know every now and then. You know, since we're not playing shows and whenever mm-hmm. I'm not doing this or editing something or whatever, I will uh, sit down, play some some call of duty online with my friends make myself a nice old-fashioned yeah and just uh just go for it you know it's good but oh my god i i love i love a good old-fashioned what's your bourbon of choice well thad's in charge of that rye is what i prefer we like a good rye um and i'm not i'm not particularly in on all of the what the particular brand is but but here's the thing here's the here's the key this is what you got to do 
So you need to go, if you don't have them already, you need to go get, get yourself some Luxardo cherries. I was just about to say, I literally just got some. You have to have them. They're so yep. fucking expensive, though. They're so expensive. Um, it's like so for, delicious. For, for a cherry? Yeah, like I'm eating $3. <laughs> yeah, they're delicious. They're so good. Those, mm -hmm. you know, nice orange slice in the bottom. Get yep. the, you go bitters in first. You don't ah. mix it in. You don't mix it in with the, with the booze until, until later. Those in first. Um, some sugar, mm -hmm. muddle all that up, then put the booze in before you put ice and then <sighs> mix all that in just the liquid and the, all the stuff, mix uh -huh. that with a stirring spoon and then ice and then you stir it again and then you go for it. Ooh. Try that out. And then great tips. Thank you. Yeah. And then you can do, instead of doing like a, just a splash of water, you can do like a splash. If you like it sweeter, yes, you can do a splash of, uh, of like Sprite or, Ooh. Ooh. Yeah, or a splash right. of some totally kind of do that. flavored seltzer water, like a lemon seltzer water is nice. Mm -hmm. Yeah, really, Thanks. really nice. Thanks for the tip. You got it, you know. Thinking about <laughs> If it wasn't going to be this, it was going to be a cooking show or something like that. Nice. You know, or a bartending show for, for live go. streams for 2020. Yeah, yeah. So, like, what's the challenge been for everyone's different? Some people are, like, thriving mm -hmm. during, during this time. Um and other people are, are have completely changed careers. They're, they're just yeah. like, fuck, fuck this. That's, you know. Yeah. Uh, I, I feel so fortunate that I happened to be pregnant throughout this for many reasons. I mean, live performance has been my identity uh, since I was 13 years old. I mean, yep. that's just what I do. I've never invest my energy really in being a studio musician um i've taught off and on and i'm doing some more of that now um but i like playing live music and so it's the to, best yeah it's it's my it is it is what i love to do um and i never expected that it would be taken away in this you just i mean you know you, i've watched starting in a band of like Sugarland, where they were kind of the last uh, wave of you can make a lot of money selling records and that mm -hmm. type of stuff and, you know, writing songs and doing those things. And so right. that was, you know, by the time they took a break in 2012, the industry was changing and the country sound was changing. This bro country stuff was emerging. I love that you call it bro country. Uh, That's yeah. what I call it. Yeah, commercial, like commercial bro country. Yeah, it's it's a shame. Uh, so that stuff was starting, you know, was, was making inroads and um, but, you know, it would just seem more and more like, man, people just have to keep touring because they're not they can't make money. They can't make the kind of money that they're used to making. Right. Uh, just having a big hit on the radio. That yeah. is like the business card to get people to come to your shows and buy t-shirts. Mm -hmm. So I'm thinking like, oh, I'm all set. This is great. Um, and then, of course, all this stuff happened. And uh, luckily for me, you know, I had, first of all, I have a wonderful boss in Marin Morris who uh, – was able to this this year 2021 put us back on salary uh we had to we came off of it halfway through the year i mean because the, th the situation we were in was 
we're going into 2020. We did one gig at the beginning of 2020. We did the Houston Rodeo. Marin was nine months pregnant. Wow. And we, and it's been her dream to, you know, play that gig. It's an iconic gig in country music. And you're playing at the stadium where the Texans play. And you're in the big round stage in the middle of the whole stadium and it's rotating. And, it's, and I've, I've played it before with Sugarland, and really it's always stuck with me. It's like as sweet as it gets. Yeah, huge yeah. deal. And so, you know, there were, I think there was 50,000 people there. It's the biggest crowd she's ever played for uh, as, as a headlining artist. So we went to the rodeo and we were the last gig at the rodeo. We were the last band and then they shut it down because of COVID. So they closed down the rodeo. And so here we are now in a year where it's only March. We've done one gig so it's not like she had a bunch of money in the kitty from right. touring and stuff. She was pregnant. You know, we were about to come off the road. Um, and so she kept us on as long as she could. We came off midway through the year. And then she took, again, I'm telling you all this because Marin has made these statements publicly. It's not necessarily something I would share if she had yeah. shared yeah. it uh, herself. But she and also i'm just damn proud of yeah it. i mean if you have a boss that that's that's that awesome you know yes yeah, she's a, uh, she is a person great. of integrity and so came off you know she was trying to figure it out and then verizon contracted her to do a series of live streams specifically for their certain markets of, of customers we did like five and she used that money to set aside a fund and put us back on salary, which Damn. is like unbelievable. She didn't take a cut. She didn't take anything for herself. She just did those shows as a new mom, you know, in the middle of a fucking pandemic, pardon my French, um, <laughs> it worked her ass off. I mean, it was a lot of work to get those together and we did two a night. So she's singing like a 75 minute set twice a night, like not and it's not like we've been on the road doing it and you're in a rhythm, right. you know. It was it was a big it was a big deal for her. It was a lot of work. And then, you know, she you have to think of like the hair and the makeup and the wardrobe. And there's there's a lot of things as a woman that um I think go underappreciated as far as the <laughs> just the what you have to go through to uh to put on a show. Because especially, you know, someone like Marin is, uh, excuse me, Marvin is, <laughs> is um, Marvin Maris, <laughs> Marvin Morrison. So <laughs> she's so, um, you know, she's a big person. She's a, she's a big artist. She's a fa yeah. big, famous artist. She's and a tiny person. Big artist. <laughs> tiny. She's, she's like a little tiny, foot, famous maybe. artist. Mm -hmm. Um, but she, you have to go, there's so many expectations, you know, from, from either public or whatever the societal, you know, bullshit is and oh, how, yeah. how she has to look uh, during a thing. If she doesn't look that way, then it's going to get talked or writ, you know, written yeah. about or something. So yeah, I mean, of well, course, even just like you so and much. I leading up to this, this exchange that we're having, I texted you <laughs> 10 minutes before <laughs> we were due to chat saying, Hey, is this going to be recorded on video because if it is i'm gonna want to go put on my makeup and i was typing i was i was gonna say like you know a lot of times i use a screenshot or something and then i was just like no i'll just use an old picture don't worry i'll use the yeah. other one that we have because it's like why why bother what it's, your viewers don't know is that i'm wearing um a nursing top with some spaghetti sauce stained perfect. on yep. it and my husband's jacket from uh, little league when uh, he was about maybe 
10 years old. <laughs> so <Right. laughs> no makeup. Um, cause I don't mess with it unless I absolutely have to these days. And so, yeah, that, but it is, it's a totally different thing. If you were, if you were texted a guy or whatever, I mean, he wouldn't even occur to a guy to like, you know, he yeah. might comb his hair and do whatever, but for, not me, for us gals, it's uh yeah, it's just, it's just more involved. So suffice it to say, she put herself through quite a bit to Especially nine make that happen. Pregnant. Yeah. So Crazy. she's. She's done all kinds of amazing things for us. And um, so that has given me an immense amount of relief and security during these very uncertain times as far as what I need to do to stay busy and what I get to do, which is basically just hang out with my baby. Yeah. Uh, which I love. <laughs> so awesome. I'm really, really enjoying it. Um, and side piece, my side project, we've been piecemealing together remotely uh an ep so we've been working on that and i've just with the baby and my mother-in-law who comes over basically every weekday and is with her right now uh she's at risk she had had lung cancer and so she's you know has one of her lobes of her lung removed so oh. we cannot take any chances as far as this stuff is concerned so right. i am not in any hurry to go out and be gigging and be putting her at risk uh, be, and so, be around a lot of people yeah so that's I've, we've been very careful and uh and all of that so having a baby to be a distraction with all this has been great for me for my sanity and my you know filling my heart with joy and uh, and also I've been teaching. I have a small group of students who I teach over Zoom and FaceTime and all that. And I had taught off and on over the years, just in between tours. Um, and it's something I really enjoy. It's yeah. Uh, have you always enjoyed it, or are you just kind of finding oh, it yeah. again? Well, so when Sugarland came off the road at the end of 2012. I had been in that band for seven years and a lot of times when you get on a gig, any gig, you know, like that, people think, oh, that person's not available. They're on a gig. And so, which, you know, is true to a certain extent. Right. Um, so then it can be hard when something like that ends to like, oh my gosh, you know, what do I do now? Mm -hmm. And I... There was a, a guy who was opening up a music school in Nashville called the Pro Music Academy, and it was all people in my positions, all touring people, who they could come in and teach in between tours. And, you know, the students who got to go got to say, well, I'm touring with, or I'm teaching, taking lessons from Sugarland's bass player, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, which course. is a cool thing to do. And so I had it's never really taught cool. before, and I was really nervous about it. And... But it, you know, was just like, I got I to do something. And so I started doing it and I found I really enjoyed it. And so um, most of my students are folks who are just, you know, fans of different bands I've played with and who have reached out to me individually. I've never really like marketed that aspect of what I'm doing. And it's kind of just been on a case by case basis. Right, and right. so now I, it's really nice. I have a just a small handful of of people uh and we um i love i love seeing the light bulb go off it's so satisfying when 
someone just when it all clicks into place yeah. oh my gosh i love that i love that and that's one of the fun things about being a parent too i mean Nora's gonna be seven months old tomorrow but watching her sort things out and seeing the little light bulb yeah she realizes figuring out that you can put one toy in this hand and then put it Mm -hmm. in the other hand yeah and then put it in your mouth and put everything (laughs) else in your mouth exactly yeah yeah it's 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 a lot of fun yeah it's awesome ethan's at the stage where he's uh i mean he's on the right on the verge of walking he took a step yesterday (gasps) and and, uh oh my god it's it's just like it's crazy that is crazy. He's only nine months. That's crazy. Yeah, he's very, it's very, uh, he's, he's pretty advanced as yeah. far as like size and motor skills and stuff. He can like pick things up with his fingers and it's, it's really strange. Oh, man. I don't know where he got it from. Not from me. <laughs> <laughs> it is, it is wild. I, yeah. um, Thad and I've been watching the show Yellowstone and okay. uh, there's a scene where, and it's all about like ranch life and a lot of intrigue and murder and lots of other stuff. Ooh. It's fun, but Netflix? Uh, Netflix. Um, I think it is Netflix. Actually, or I'm not sure. Yeah, but there's a scene where this cow is giving birth, <laughs> and the uh, the calf is it's breach and there's all this drama. And they got to get it out, and they they get it out safely, and the calf just jumps up and runs off. Oh yeah. And it's like, what if, what if human kids could just like pop out and just, all right, doo, 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 and I mean, I know there's like a hilarious Saturday Night Live with, with Will Ferrell doing that, which is so great. But I love the idea of like a tiny sized baby just getting up and running off. So when I think of like a nine year, nine month old being able to just walk around and do stuff, it's like, are you kidding me right now? Yeah, it's, it's, it's crazy. It's completely bananas. Have you guys been doing the whole like, song and dance where Marin, you know, and the booking agents have been like booking shows and then nope. canceling and then Marin blah, blah, is blah, a blah, badass blah, blah. and she made an announcement I guess it was back in December. It was still December that cuz basically what we had done is we were supposed to be touring in 2020 starting in may so she was due in like april and was already going to be back on the road in may uh, i think it was april maybe it was it was more i can't remember anyway so she we were supposed to be doing festivals i was going to be going back on the road in august with her and essentially it was so early in the pandemic and everything and she so she didn't have to cancel any dates necessarily like we weren't in the middle of a tour when all this stuff happened but the upcoming dates you know in the immediate future they basically just copied and pasted them for 2021 and then in december she posted to her fans she's like we're already having to think about canceling the first half of the 2021 dates right so rather than keep moving it again we're just going to cancel the tour, get your money back, and I'm making a new record, and I'll see you when I can see you, which I think yeah. is incredible. You know, it's a lot of, there's a lot of stuff that, I mean, and it's hard on everybody. You know, it's like everyone's out of work, and, and what are you going to do? Like, people, yeah. all that money that's already been spent, I'm sure, you know, has, has been <laughs> given away or used to keep lights on or whatever's happening. It's just a big mess. Yeah, because um, then, then you're dealing with, like, venues and promoters. They're all their own their own issues and and things that they have to deal with and then yeah. it kind of just trickles then it trickles down to the fans and yeah no it's, it's it's a really 
really rough situation and Marin is I think she's doing a great job leading by example and she is in a position to be able to say you know what we'll see you when we see you and she's uh, she's using her position I think really wisely and with a lot of integrity so so at this point we don't have a tour scheduled for this year a formal tour but um I imagine that there will be some one-offs, you know, as we get later into the year and things become, you yeah. know, safe if they figure out how we can maybe do some outdoor stuff or, you know, she's been able to keep doing a lot of late night shows where we go and tape something remotely and uh, they air it on the show. And so that's cool. I like that they're doing, I like that they're doing more of that. And it's yeah. not just, you know, Jimmy Kimmel isn't just sitting at home anymore. He's actually in the studio and it looks good. It, it looks, it looks like more normal. Like we're, they're right. trying to, they're trying to get out of the, uh, you know, the, the cute, it's cute. Cause we're home, you know, right. and we're doing it from home. It's like, no, it's not cute anymore. No, it's, it's, de- been it's depressing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's depressing. So let's get back in the studio and figure out how we can do this. Yeah. Well, and I will say the things that we have done, I think everyone's done an excellent job with safety precautions and we've had to do multiple COVID tests leading up to it and everyone has to wear masks unless it's, you know, when you're on stage and you're singing, take your mask off or whatever. But, uh, you know, everyone's been tested multiple times leading up to those moments. And then as soon as the set's over, your mask is back on and you're socially distanced and all that stuff. So... The, the stuff I have gotten to do, the live stream stuff, I've felt really good about the ways that that, that stuff's been handled. So, yeah, but I'm, I sure am ready for hopefully this vaccine to be widely distributed. And, I mean, that's not going to solve the whole problem, but at least it'll... No, but I, I, think, I think that in combination with with the weather getting better and, and hospitals not being completely mm-hmm. trounced as, as they've been lately. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that the, the way it felt before we went into the winter, before the whole second wave happened, yeah. I think it's going to get like that. And then we'll be kind of settling out of it. Um, yeah. by then. And that's my expert professional <laughs> opinion. Two um, musicians. <laughs> yeah, two musicians talking about some shit they have no idea about. Um, yeah, man, yeah. I, w- I wish Who I could just knows. make it all go away. That's that's yeah. what I that's what well, I. Well, the hard thing is, and I'm sure you've dealt with this too, is most of my family hasn't met my daughter, mm-hmm. and she's the first, you know, that of the kids of my parents, that the first grandkid. Yep. The family and you know my mom and my dad have met her um but none of my siblings you know none of our extended family uh just not even thad's father hasn't met her yet and just wow. a lot of yeah it's just not it's not a safe it's not safe for for us to do it the way you know that i mean it's just it's hard yeah. and so many people want to meet her and thank god for facetime that we can we can do that but yeah it's 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 really that part of it is really sad mm-hmm. yeah i mean i i have friends well i i was living in in boston for a long time but i, I live in mm-hmm. providence now and it, um you know friends that i've spent so much time hanging out with just have not 
have not met my son. And, yeah. it's, and it just seems, it seems so weird to me because these are like my best friends, really close yeah. people. And you're like, oh, well, you guys, I guess just can't be a part of this until, no. until this thing is, is over. And, and that's, it's really. That's how we're treating it. And it's sad. Yeah. It's hard. Um, I feel so fortunate that she's the age that she is and that she's not going to remember this and that of course. we're not having to navigate school and we're not having to deal with all that. I feel so badly for all of those, those people. And I'm, there's a lot of high schoolers in my neighborhood, a lot of seniors, a lot of people who are trying to start their first year of college. And I just can't imagine. Yeah, imagine, imagine being like a junior or a senior okay. in high, in high school. Mm-hmm. And you're just like, like that social aspect in that particular age at that time, right before you're about to go to college, it is just like, it's everything for your, like that's, those are the times that kind of make you the person that you eventually are going to be, you know? Um, And it's like to not be around your friends and, and to not have that social thing. I just hope that, um, you know, they're using, you know, people are, they're, you're using the internet. Hopefully they're, they're finding ways, creative ways to be together and to, I know it. but I know. it's not, that's, it's not the same. There's a whole other can of worms with all that stuff too. I mean, right. especially on the heels of what we just saw oh uh, at God, the Capitol, yeah. you know, as far as, and I don't know if you've seen the social dilemma, if you uh, check out that. Yeah, I have, I, yeah. I just watched that pretty recently and it's amazing how, <laughs> How these apps that we're all so into have systematically just, they just give you what you want. And so you just keep getting more and more of what you want and you don't get the other whether perspective. It's, whether it's true or not. Exactly. <laughs> I, and, I do. I feel like I do a pretty good job of like, I'm not somebody that goes, oh, this person put that thing banned, blocked forever. Right. I, I don't do that. I read it because I want, I want to know. Yeah. I want my my finger on the pulse of like of what people are saying and what people exactly. are talking about. Like yeah, I want to know. We flip back and forth between all the news stations, and it is it is emotionally yeah. challenging for me to listen to the other side because I just want to scream and it's like it's just not true. Uh, and I know yeah. they feel the same way about the shit that I'm listening to, and so it's just like ugh, it's right. really hard, you know. Right. I try. I try to think like, hey, these people think that what they're doing is right for for whatever reason we think we're doing what we're doing is right for whatever reason and we're, no one is like listening to each other but now in the last you know i don't know i'll, I'll think of a random set of years four years that <laughs> that um let me see that just misinformation and disinformation gets used to weaponize things which gets used to to you know to to sell things whatever exactly whatever they're doing but then people confuse they see it so much and they confuse it for truth and then they latch on to these things and when someone else has another idea then you know lie becomes the truth let's break into the capital it's uh (laughs) it's it's crazy and it's terrifying and um yeah, I don't know. It's it's hard to for me to uh, find uh, a way to not get totally worked up about it, and yeah. all, and I also just feel helpless. And I want I'm not I'm not sure what to do other than to j- try to keep educating myself on everything that's out there. I um, just started listening to this podcast called Rabbit Hole, and I'm only one episode in, so I can't necessarily vouch for it, but. 
it explains how people got sucked down this rabbit hole of these conspiracy theories and the yeah. origins of, of all of it. And it's really interesting because it talks about how, you know, the early days of YouTube and it plays music all throughout it. And you're like, oh my God, I remember that. You know, and it plays a song you're like, oh, I totally remember oh, what yeah. that moment in time felt like because they're playing the, you know, was I guess somebody that I used to know that whole thing. So it's like, oh God, that was such a, a moment. And I can yep. like, tell you how I dressed at that moment. I can tell you like what totally was going on. And then they, they played like, what does the fox say? It's like, oh yeah, I remember. Oh my God. I had a Chick-fil-A. Like I know exactly <laughs> where I was. Uh, but it, it was so innocuous at first, you know, like, chocolate rain like all these like funny you know charlie bit my finger all these little videos they play and like oh yeah i remember when those were that was what youtube was it was just yep. funny videos and then slowly over time it's like okay you know you like cat videos we're gonna show you more cat videos oh you like uh videos about whatever like and it just the algorithms led people down these certain paths it and, just perpetuates yeah and it's it's um it's pretty terrifying. It's pretty terrifying, and I, uh, I don't know what to do about it. Yeah, it's it's ter it is terrifying. <laughs> I, you know, it, it's it's crazy because I do have I do have a lot of thoughts and comments about it. A lot of things that I won't say, but it's like I just hope I just want people to to realize that there's other people out there that live their lives in different ways that they do, and I think that this country is a very big country and you can't you can't say one thing to one person without completely affecting the other person and you don't want to um you know the people of the country are are proud people they don't no one wants to feel stupid no one wants no. to be called stupid mm -hmm. um but the fact of the matter is it's like we're we're dealing in a time when not everyone is is in the same reality not everyone not everyone is uh looking looking at the same information and and we're fighting over it i know and what's so hard is like i've tried to have conversations about it with people i really care about and they'll get so upset they're like it's just amazing that the media just isn't reporting on it. it's like did you hear this you know hunter biden runs a pedophile ring and no one's talking about it on you know means like what no, I didn't hear that. And also, has it occurred to you that because they're not talking about it, that it's it maybe not true? It's been debunked. Because they're yeah. not allowed to say things that aren't true. Like, yeah. But then, of course, I'm saying all this, and I'm sure somebody's listening to this, you know, just like, you idiot, you have no idea. <laughs> you know? It's actually... <laughs> It's actually hilarious. Like in the episode that's going to come out tomorrow, uh -huh. it's me and, it's me and uh, my buddy, Nick Matarisi works for, he works for Google. So he's, he's oh, wow. the, the cutting edge of all the new technologies and how they're used, how we use them. Wow. It's like, he's one of the architects of it. And, um, and we talk about that exact story, the debunked story about Hunter Biden's uh, laptop and oh. all this stuff. And, and I never knew the full story because I didn't care. I was like, this, it's like, whatever this is. Well, and then it's like, here's the thing, folks. You know, I live in Nashville, Tennessee, for those of you who are listening. And on Christmas Day, a guy drove to the building, oh AT&T's headquarters, and blew himself up, ended his life, and knocked out the internet and cell phone for anyone who's on AT&T AT on Christmas Day. Uh, and 
because he believed these conspiracy theories that 5G, you know, causes cancer or is spreading COVID or whatever it is. And so, you know, it's all well and good for people to, you know, it's fun to believe in these conspiracy theories. It's exciting. It, it titillates this spot Right. in you it's like oh this but, is what could be happening exactly but some it's it's like it's like shit i did when i was like 10 years old i used to spy on my neighbors and make case files yeah. of you know like yeah. oh they left the house at such and such time it's got to mean that they're blah blah, blah. like no it doesn't mean anything i'm just having a good time like being a busy right. body and being dumb and making shit up in my mind that isn't true and it's fine but it's a game this person believed it and went and killed himself over yep. it yeah. So it's it's like, what is the end game here with everybody? Like, I just don't. That's what I don't understand. It's like, what do you want to happen? What right. what 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 does the world look like that that is that is a good thing? Do you, do you, do you not want internet and TV? Do you not do you not want your cell phone to work? Yeah. Do you not, do you not want, want all this cool shit? Right. I mean, <laughs> you know, like okay, like do you want to die for this? And I don't. That's I, I haven't been able to wrap my head around. What the end game is for a lot of these people and a lot, I mean, in so much of this, all of this, like, so-called fraud, you know, none of which has been able to be proven true. I'm going to share a very personal story right now, but it just reminds me of when I was in high school and uh, I'm, a, I'm a buxom woman and people would look at me and just assume that I was a promiscuous person because of the way my body was formed. Mm-hmm. I went to a very small school. Uh, it was, you know, I went to, it was a religious school and I was definitely an oddball in all manners of, I did not fit in at, okay. at that spot. And, you know, I didn't, I didn't really fit in anywhere until I went to, to college, but I got this reputation as, you know, I don't even want to use the word, but, you know, as a so-called slut. And, but nobody could, like, I also didn't have a boyfriend or anybody who I was dating because I wasn't cool. So it was like, I'm a slut, but nobody can tell, like, there isn't anyone that can personally say, like, oh, yeah, me and Annie, we're, we're getting together. Because there wasn't any of that. But once something like that catches on. It's like you became the chosen one. Yeah, it's just fun <laughs> to think it. It's just fun to imagine yeah. it. And people look at this, look at me walking around in school and I've got big boobs. And so, yeah, that's it's like, okay, cool. Yeah, she probably sleeps around. I don't know anyone who slept with her, but it's fun to talk about. So let's right. just go ahead and perpetuate that. And then it becomes just a thing. Um, well, that sucks. I, well, I, you know, it was, it was, it was, I mean, it wasn't fine, but it was, uh, I mean, it wasn't like, <laughs> there wasn't anything that anyone could do about it or that there weren't any like ramifications. It was just like, right. It's just like, th- it's it was this just other stupid, thing I have to deal with a stupid perception that just wasn't true. Yeah. But it, it reminds me of all this stuff where it's just like you just you tell a story enough times, and even though there's literally no evidence, people get it into their head, and then they can't get it out of their head. Right. And and that's it is that's just it. That's and the reality. Kids are cruel. Kids are very cruel. Yeah. So 
you know, why not spread this rumor? Right. You know? and even and it's like even if, even if you're the nicest kid or whatever, and they hear something, it's like you know that moment where you want to be, you want to have something to impress exactly. somebody. It's like, oh, did you hear about? And, and that it sucks. what it's you just said that is the crux of all of this stuff. And I know this is like a music podcast, and I'm I'm, I'm not sure if we're no. This is this is a, this but is after the gig, it's but after it's, the gig, after the gig. Okay, perfect. <laughs> well, so basically, that's I mean, that's just it. Everybody who buys into these things wants to feel like they're the only person who knows the truth. Like they get it. And I want to say to these people. Or they want to like, feel validated. They right. want to feel important. It's like you, you really think that you would know this top secret information, right. but like the government doesn't know it or whoever's in charge doesn't know it, but you know it right. from reading some shit on Facebook. Like, right. come on now. And look, there's a lot of shit out there that we don't know about and that, that makes all of this go this world go around in, in probably ways that are good and very, very bad. Oh yeah, of course there's but shady shit going I don't, on. I don't I don't pretend to um I mean it's just like what I mean when you get people going into Pizza Huts thinking there's a basement in there where they're gonna Oh Pizza Gate, yeah. Oh my god. It's crazy it, to me it feels like all this stuff, it feels like there's some teenagers who are just like, let's see how far we can push this. And that's and what it is. People are just believing it. Like Twitter, Twitter is just this. the rumor mill. It's just yeah. the rumor mill. And everyone goes, ah, what can I say mm -hmm. here? Who can I offend? Who can mm -hmm. I affect here? And then the world just slowly keeps going and they're like, what's going on down there in the Twitter land? It's so absolutely bizarre. <laughs> it is so it is maddening and I do, I'm very fearful in a lot of ways for my daughter, you know, in the world that is gonna be waiting for her. I get I get nervous as well, but I also think like the way I try to think of it is like, okay, this is the stuff that could happen. This is what's happening now. All right, what's the worst case scenario here? All right. What what, what way can what can I do today that will help us be better prepared for that world tomorrow? And hopefully it's not that worst case scenario. Hopefully this is something that um that gets sorted out in some kind of peaceful way. It doesn't feel like it's going to be that way. <laughs> um, you know, every time now when they show a Trump rally on TV and I hear a song in the background, I know like, Ooh, that artist does not want that song being played. Someone's yeah. going to get in trouble. And the key yeah. he has, there is no one. So few people who create art, who will loan it to him yeah, to yeah. use to purport his ends. And it's just like, you would, you would think that people might, um, might take note of that, that there's no art or music or a, a family pet or anything right. that he has that is a semblance of love and beauty and creation. You know, it's... It's yeah. pretty remarkable. Anyway, so, these are the types of conversations that I would be having in the back of a tour bus if we were, if I had just played a show and we were yeah, same. after we'd, a gig. It's like we'd be sitting around drinking our, I'd be drinking old fashioned or a margarita and we'd be watching the news or watching, you know, a late night show or whatever it'd be on and uh, we'd be having a conversation like this, trying to make sense of this crazy world that we live yeah. in. Because, you know, at your shows, there's <clears throat> all, all kinds, there's all all those different people absolutely you know and Marin has as they're a all there artist she it's just incredible to me her bravery and character 
in standing up for what's right. And the night before the Georgia runoff uh, election, we uh, we were on Stephen Colbert playing a song that she wrote specifically about just everything that's going on called Better Than We Found It. And the whole message of the song is, uh, when time turns this moment to dust, I just hope my son's proud of the woman I was. When lines of tomorrow are drawn, can I live with the side that I chose to be on? And, you know, should we throw up our hands, do nothing about it, or should we leave this world better than we found it? And she is risking her career as a country music artist to stand up yeah. And see what happened to the Dixie Chicks. Out there. Oh, yeah. And yeah. I think what's interesting about that is that ultimately, you know, whatever you want, if, if they were, you know, I would I would say they were proven right in that. I mean, you know, maybe you don't whatever and they they're they were angry because they felt like we rushed into a situation as far as my understanding of it is concerned. And as it turns out, there weren't these weapons of mass destruction and there weren't all these things that. You know, everyone was saying, you know, we got to go in there and, and hang them and do this, that, and the other. And I'm hoping that that lesson stands and that people will be, you know, at least a little more like, all right, we're not going to, radio stations aren't going to ban Marin um, because she's standing up for what she believes in because there's a chance she could be right. No, uh, but there's also so right. much. There's also so much polarity now that it's hap- it people, all kinds of different people. It's like, it's not even, you know, I hate to say this, but it's just kind of noise in the wind at this point. Yeah. It's like, yeah, she might piss some people off, but it's like, oh, that, then an hour later, someone else is going to say some other exactly. shit. So it's like, you know, it's all, it's all just up in the air at this point. Yeah. Um, she's, she's done an incredible job in my opinion. And she made a music video for that and found a black woman to direct it. And like, she really, every step of the way she can, she puts her money where her mouth is. And, that's awesome. If uh, you have the platform and, and the resources to do it and then, yeah. you, and you choose to be like, Oh, I can do it this way. Then mm-hmm. fuck. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. To get, kind of get back to, uh, some music stuff here. Um, well, first of all, where are you from? I am from New Orleans, Louisiana. Okay. And my dad is a guitar player down there. And so he taught me to play bass. And oh. that's what he does. He tours. He toured with... He was on the road with Dr. John a lot when I was little. For um, real? Yeah, yeah. He played with the Neville Brothers and Boss I Gags. and love... A lot of different folks. Dr. John. Yeah. I think, I think the amazing. intro... I think the... From from my intro to our episode, I think the music should be Such a Night by Dr. Ah, that's a great idea. That's such a great song. But yeah, that's what he did. And so I grew up with a living example of here's how you make a career in music and, and tour. Because, um, you know, it's, it's, not, it's not so usual or so common for a woman to be doing this, which is unfortunate, which is part of why I've got my side piece project going to get more women involved um but yeah he that aspect of it was wasn't ever really intimidating to me because he was you know coaching me and teaching me and guiding me all the way and i had an open door really to the music scene in new orleans because of him so he would take me to sit in on his gigs and introduce me to everyone in town and you know just do what he could 
to help yeah. me. So, yeah. Would he sit you down afterwards and be like, so, you know, we met that person and this person does that. So what, what you should do yeah. is like call them and like maybe you can get on this gig and the blah, blah, blah. He, yeah. he uh, I mean, he is so not Mr. I mean, and he's just, I mean, he's just, uh, he loves to play guitar and that's what he does. And yeah. he's never been trying to climb ladders or been really ambitious outside of just playing guitar in ways that he enjoys. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, he's very proud of the fact that I was able to, you know, move up in the, in the world of touring the way that I have and, you know, get on these, these gigs that are high profile and, uh, but the biggest compliment whenever I meet people that know him all throughout my life, you know, I'll meet someone and they're like, oh my God, that's Cranston's daughter. You know, oh my God, you're Cranston's daughter. He, you know, helped me out when I was having a really tough time. You know, he was there for me. He talked to me on the phone through my whole blah, blah, blah. You know, he's just, he's that type of person and he treats everybody the same. And in this business it can you can kind of quickly get into a hierarchy of this person's important this person's not and right of course was never that was never his mo um but he always wanted me to learn all aspects of music so i started taking piano lessons when i was like four years old and he would take me to my lessons and then i got really into singing and then when I was 13, he got me a bass for my 13th birthday, thinking that I would probably maybe eventually want to play guitar, but he thought I should start on bass and learn it from the ground up. And I just loved the bass. And that was it. Like, I just, I was hooked on, on yeah. playing the bass. And also he needed a bass player for his own band. So he was <laughs> like, this will work. He made one from scratch. He made a two, bass player himself. Two birds. Exactly. So, um, but, and then when I was... I think 14, 15, he hooked me up with uh, a studio, Annunciation Studios in New Orleans with an internship with the person who ran that studio. And so I got to, you know, work on miking up drum sets and doing various things and just trying to have an understanding of, of all aspects of it. And so he was just always exposing me to sort of the different different avenues of the industry. I mean, he was always taking me out on gigs and, you know, so I'd just be backstage hanging out with everybody. I'd be sitting on the side of the stage and just kind of doing whatever, just sort of getting an overview of how, how it all worked. And, um, but also just getting an education in, uh, how to treat folks. And now he's, well, now nothing's happening because it's COVID, but, he plays several nights a week down on Bourbon Street uh, at a Cajun club down there, the Bayou Club. And actually the artist that he's playing with, this uh, guy Cam Dupuy and, and Cam's dad, uh, they made a record and it's nominated for a Grammy. Wow! So yeah, I'm really excited. I'm so proud of, of Dad. And my brother Tyler played keys on it. And so... Um, so I have brothers. He has two sons who are twins, Austin and Tyler, and they both play too. So we all grew up playing, and Dad just was there to oh, foster so cool. that. It's it's that's pretty so awesome. Cool. Yeah, it's really it's really special. Oh my god, 
Yeah, that's not, I mean, it's not always the case. <laughs> so yeah. it's like, it's a pretty special thing. I hear you know? that a lot from folks. You know, a lot of yeah. meet people who have parents who are famous musicians or whatever. And so often they're just like, man, my dad didn't do any of this with me. <laughs> like, my, right. I didn't, I did, he didn't teach me to play anything. He didn't do anything. My, my dad was such a great teacher for me. And that's a big part of the reason why I, I think I enjoy teaching other students is that I had such a great invested teacher in my father Yeah, that it's, it's been easy for me to translate that. And not enough, like, you know, you just said that he taught you a lot about how to treat other people. And that's not normally like a huge point in a lot of musicians or, or people in general that, yeah. Hey, the way that you treat someone else is going to, is going to go a long, long way. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, and really, feel good. it should be the most important thing that you're teaching people in an industry where part of the job description is, hey, we're going to get in like basically a toothpaste tube on wheels <laughs> and all live together <laughs> yeah. and like, you know, hang out in our pajamas and have these types of conversations, very personal you know, conversations about life and, and the world uh, and also make music together. You know, if you can't get along with people or treat people fairly, it's just not sustainable to, it's just not gonna, it's to just live not gonna work in for you. an environment like that. So as, as important as it is to, you know, hone your craft as a musician, um, it's equally important, if not more so, to have the social wherewithal to survive in those situations and... Um, that's definitely the aspect of it that is uh, so interesting to me. You know, it's just this this crazy, wacky <laughs> lifestyle that we've managed to carve out for so ourselves, crazy. and uh, and how it how it works. So, so I'm gonna get on a bus. And I'm gonna go play right. for sometimes no one. You're mm -hmm. gonna do. You're gonna do what? <laughs> exactly. And yeah, I'm gonna do it. For, I'm gonna do it forever. <laughs> yeah, and it's the greatest. It is the, the most fun you'll ever have. It's like crack. I've never had crack, but it is. I imagine it is like, like crack. That. If I ever, if I ever had crack, boy, boy. <laughs> I'll bet it would be like that. It'd be just <laughs> like that. It'd be just like playing. Who says you can't go home with Sugarland at the freaking you know Rupp Arena? It would it would be fucking awesome, man. Yeah, when that awesome. song kicks in, it starts with this big triumphant G chord and it's just enough time for me to like get in a good windmill. She's like oh. Oh, God, I get so excited just like oh, oh. No, sorry. I, I love it. I love it. It's like it's been too it. goddamn long. God. Oh I just I just love that moment. I have I have I always have to have like one moment a show that's just a total triumph. Yeah. And I live for that. And that was always that was always the moment in that Sugarland show was that big G chord right at the beginning of, of that of Who Says You Can't Go Home. Oh my god. Oh, that's awesome. At the uh, at the end of Marin's shows, you know, we usually end with my church and that's the that's my big triumphant moment. What a great song. Oh man, it's a great fucking song. And boy, what an example. I, you know, for anyone who's been listening to this for the past hour and a half, like, please stop talking about Donald Trump and tell me, like, how to become a successful musician. Oh, no, they're not listening Here anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They're long gone. Moment. Here's your moment. You know, people are always like, how do you, how do you break in? How do you do it? And oh, yeah, this, this conversation. So many people, it's just like, 
you just got to have that song. And for Marin, uh, my church was the song. She, yep. she put that song out on Spotify and it just started getting, you know, millions of hits or, you know, whatever, how many, how many hits it racked up super quickly. She didn't have an album out. She, you know, didn't have a label. She just put this one song out there and it just connected. And then suddenly she's like on tour with Keith Urban before she even has an album out to promote yeah. because people just went crazy for it. And, you know, with all the, with the damaging rumors that get spread on the internet and all of the, the bad shit that's going down, it also kind of makes it impossible for good stuff not to be shared. So I am just a firm believer that, and I've said this from day one, if it's good, it, people are going to find out about it Yep. and just make it really undeniably good. That's it. That's all you got to do. <laughs> That's all you got to do is be super fucking good. <laughs> so, and if you can't do that, then get the fuck out. <laughs> it's, yeah. Well, that suffice it to say, I mean... That's, I mean, it's just, it's a career making song and of course. it's an incredible song and yeah, she wrote it, she put it out and it was undeniable and it's launched her into a really amazing place and she continues to put out really great music that connects with people, but yeah. that's how she got in the door. So what made you come up to, when did you come to Nashville? It was for Sugarland. So oh, for, for Sugarland. Yeah. So I had, went to Berkeley. You went to Berkeley? Yes. Did you go uh, to Berkeley? Yeah. I think I think I saw that on your thing. Yes, I meant to. I meant to. I did. I meant to give you the the the, the hand signal or yeah. whatever the sign is for <laughs> yeah. Berkeley sign. Yeah. Yeah. Berkeley was great for me, and like I said earlier, the you know the first place I ever really fit in with my peers was in college, and that was at Berkeley for me. So you know what's so funny about that is I I don't feel that way about Berkeley at all. Yeah. I did not have that same experience. Oh, I'm sorry. It's okay. I mean, I enjoyed I enjoyed my time there. I had I had friends like, you know, I wish I played more. I definitely I definitely I, I was in an interesting <laughs> position. I mean, there were plenty of people who I did not fit in with. For yeah. sure. And but it was the first time that I was in an environment with people who who were into the same stuff that I was. Like, it was a right. full-time living and breathing music where I had been coming from a, a school and a situation where that just wasn't wasn't the case. And it was with, you know, uh, progressively-minded people and, right. and just all this great stuff. But I, what, so, you know, I got to Berkeley, first of all, it's, I got there in 99, so it's like boy bands are on the airwaves. Uh, fusion is still really popular there. Uh, and I'm playing like a four-string Fender, and the first question everyone asks me is like, oh, you're a bass player, five-string or six-string? Like, oh, God. You know, it's just very... <laughs> and it's like, just, keep ooh, going. Change. Yeah, yeah. A little lower, a little yeah, lower. A little lower. There you go. Yeah, I play the ones play that you need. Yeah, that's fine. Exactly. Um, but <laughs> I, and the biggest compliment I get very often, I used to get, you know, back when I first graduated from school, it was like, oh, you went to Berkeley? You don't sound like you went to Berkeley. You don't play like you went to Berkeley, <laughs> which was It a is hard getting out of that. Because, you know, it's like, but I, 
that wasn't my focus and t- kind of to your statement about I wasn't ambitious enough or I wasn't, you know, I, I, I was pretty locked into what I wanted to do when I got to Berkeley, which really at the time was to play fingerstyle R&B, which is Motown. Uh, I found the instructors who were doing what I was interested in. Um, who were you and, guys? Uh, Anthony Vitti. He was my yeah. he was my main my main man, and he was awesome. really really great, really oh really God. great, so great, such a such a wonderful person too. Yeah. And you know, I ended up like babysitting for his daughter, and like you know, really just sweet. becoming a part of the family. And yeah. so, um, you know, I had some great teachers. Wayne Noss uh, was my ear training and harmony teacher when I was I went to the five week program, and so he had me. Uh, create the vocal arrangements for the tower of power ensemble so he <sighs> was starting that ensemble and i he came to me in one of his ear training or one of my harmony classes i was in with him and he was like hey you know you were so great in my ear training at the five week i'm starting this tower of power ensemble do you want to sing in it and i was like well i'm actually a bass player <laughs> and he said to me it's so bad but he was like yeah but all girls sing right <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you sing too, and right? As, as as it turns out, I did sing, and I did almost as much, just as much singing at Berkeley as I did bass playing. Um, and so, I ended up being in the ground floor of that ensemble and making the vocal arrangements and teaching the vocalists, and it was a huge part of my my life there. So I was in like randomly in with like all these horn players and stuff in the Tower Power Ensemble, and then like really deep in with the singer-songwriter folks and like my friend Kelly Buchanan and my very best friend Laura DeStassi and a lot of who has a great band measure and so lots of different just that I kind of had the opportunity to try on lots of different styles of music I tried so many different so many different things there and it was a great opportunity to be able to just try shit without the consequence of you know failure which I, you know, listening to, <laughs> bringing this full circle to what happens if you live in a socialist country. Uh, <laughs> I was listening to Tim Ferriss's podcast uh, the other day, and he was interviewing the guy who started Spotify, I think. And he is a Swedish gentleman. And in Sweden, you know, I mean, it's like, you know, they have all these safety nets for folks. And so he was saying, this is why so many great musicians, so many innovative companies come from Sweden, because you can take these big risks and you're not going to be destitute. Right. <laughs> you know, they have grants not, and all kinds of things. Yeah, exactly. So um, <clears throat> that was sort of the Berkeley experience for me is that it would, and that's why I feel so badly for Jesus, for all of these kids who are just being robbed of that experience right now, because I think oh, yeah. all of the growth that happened for me when I had the opportunity to, you know, leave home and be on my own in a safe-ish environment and try lots of different things without necessarily, you know, losing my fucking house. So it was very valuable for me in that respect. And it, um, I paid attention to, and I say this a lot, you know, when I talk about this, paid attention to the feedback loop of what was working and connecting with other people and what i found most of all was that when i would back somebody up as a bass player you know and singing background vocals anytime i did that someone would come up to me after a performance and say i want you to be in my band i want you to play with me 
you're so great at this. And, and so that became my focus. And I spent my time working on that. And when I graduated Berkeley, when I wasn't scooped up out of the ether by some mystery, you know, record producer or somebody, you know, from the real world MTV, like to, <laughs> to turn me into something, uh, I just came out with the focus of I'm going to be the best side person that I can be and make that my career. And, and here we are. And here you are doing pretty good. Yeah. I was such an idiot for not, um, I had the option to, to be the drummer in the tower power ensemble. What? Yeah. Um, and I was in a band in, when I was in college. So to, to kind of clear up, to, to be clear, I was into also into baseball. Like I was trying yeah. out to play baseball at Fisher College at the same so time. So was I, my husband that. Really? He, he in high school, he was, you know, on, on I'm wearing his little league jacket. Right yeah. Now. So he was yeah. a big baseball guy. He was a catcher and he was, you know, all-star, all that stuff. When he went to college, the summer between high school and college, he was trying out for the Atlanta Braves, but he wow. also got... <laughs> one of two scholarships for classical guitar to North Texas. <laughs> so, like, very, okay. like, and he's always like, I should have been a baseball player. I'd have so much more money. I'm like, yeah, you jerk wad, but you wouldn't. Or you could have broke your leg or something. Me? What about me? You know, he's like, I wasn't, I wasn't, you know, whatever. Anyway. That's funny. So, yeah, you never know. But yeah. Yeah. Same, and same story. I never found, I never found those people at, at Berkeley. It was always. No, um, there's no sports at Berkeley. There's no. a hockey sack team. And well, they have a hockey a team. Club. What? There's a hockey team. Oh my God. Berkeley Cats. I <laughs> <laughs> spit out my water. Oh my God. That's awesome. Berkeley Cats. <laughs> OMG. I wish I had just went head first into playing more and just playing with more people because I, I definitely had the option to. And I found this whole other world for myself uh, these these guys that went to bu and yeah. and some other friends that um that were at berkeley but they had their own kind of groups going on and so i just kind of tried to do my own thing but i i studied with um tony smith who was lou reed's drummer oh, cool. i studied with him for for four years and mm -hmm. and um i i just learned such an incredible amount of stuff but i wish I wish I learned how to be, how to play more musically earlier. You know, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm a singer as well, but I never, but I never, um, behind the drums, like I never had the whole, you know, like create textures and create a bed yeah. for, for the artist. You know what I mean? That's right. And um, that's what, that was what was different about me going into Berkeley because most kids were coming in having been locked in a closet practicing guitar chops, for chops, air. Chops, yeah, yeah, yeah. Chops. Chops, chops, chops. I come in with a four string bass. I can't I can't play any of this shit. I have horrible ratings. I have whatever. And you have the advantage. But yes, but I can play any song that you might need someone to play on Bourbon Street. Right. So I have this like real world, you know, people would call my style meat and potatoes. And, you know, kind of yeah. as sort of as a dig, sort of as a like, you know, just a solid base. Joke's on them. Yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, you know, whatever. But that's that's the thing. And I did. There were definitely teachers who uh, didn't have faith in me. And and then there were certain teachers that just loved me and, you know, wrote letters of recommendation for my scholarship saying things like this. This is the type of student that Berkeley needs to foster. 
you know, knows she's not playing a six-string bass and, you know, busting out all the cello suites at lightning speed or whatever. But, you know, she plays great. She sings great. And she's, uh, you know, reliable, does her homework. And a lot of times what I'd end up doing to get into certain ensemble because I wasn't a strong reader and I couldn't impress them with, you know, whatever, some jazz, you know, playing Parker heads, whatever. Yeah. I would go directly to the teacher of the ensemble and say, look, I can already play all these songs. Like I know these songs. I don't have the ratings, but would you give me a chance? And they would let me in. So I would find yeah. ways to kind of work around the system. And see that, that wherewithal to, to, it, it sounds like a small thing. It sounds like just a gloss over thing that, you know, oh, yeah, I just, you know, I said I know the songs and I went to the teacher and they let me in. Most people w- wouldn't do that. They would right. just they, they would, would say, oh, you need to have fives to get in. I have twos. I can't do it. Right. Exactly. So I guess I'm going to, you know, you box yourself into these mm-hmm. things that you think are the only things you can do where it's like, no, I'm. I'm capable. I've played that stuff before. Like I can yeah. do that. What's the number mean? You know? Right. Exactly. Um, I feel the, the same exact way because I, I think I came in with all twos or something. Mm-hmm. Um, everyone's either comes in with ones or twos. Yeah. Um, except for if you're ridiculous. Right. I knew one guy, a uh, guitar player that came in all eights just right off what? the bat. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, well, but, but the why thing is, here, why you go there? It's like, <laughs> I'm here. I'm here to network with my professors and get and, and play with my professors. Right. Um, yeah. His name's Randy Runyon. Have you ever heard of Randy? Mm-hmm. He's a New York guy. Um, I mean, he's just absolutely bananas good. It's just, yeah. it's, it, you know, he was playing stuff. I was like, how? What? <laughs> that note can go with that note right yeah, yeah it, was, it was just bizarre how good he was um mm-hmm. it is but um you know i don't know looking back on it now i i do i i just have a couple a couple of regrets wish it some things went different ways but mm-hmm. all in all it ended up fine you know you, you learn things some people learn things later you know totally. I use time and they tell up. you that at berkeley and they tell you like keep your books and keep all your paperwork because you can learn from this for years and years and years. Oh yeah. I got all my stuff. That's, that is so true. That Mm -hmm. is so true. I mean, I, I go back to reference things if I'm writing and I'm like, something feels a little stagnant here. Like what's, what's another thing I can pop in here that I'm maybe Mm -hmm. not thinking of. And I go in and I see like, Oh, use a flat two or something. Right. (laughs) Um, (laughs) let's, let's do that. And then you, and then something, and then it unlocks some part of the brain. Yeah, totally. So what's going on with, uh, you said your work, you're piecemealing together an album with, yeah, with, with side, side piece. piece. All um, right. When, what's, uh, what's going on with that and who's in the band? Okay. So side piece is a collection of female side men, <laughs> basically. So it's me and, uh, Megan Mullins who has toured with, everybody under the sun she uh i mean she's toured with like from the jonas brothers and shakira to you know alabama and and big and rich you know all kinds of different folks she's incredibly gifted fiddle player and and singer um and so she and i are you know kind of the founding members and all and also megan jane on drums uh so Megan Jane's amazing. Another Berkeley person. Oh. She and I were actually at Berkeley together, but we weren't in the same circles, so we didn't um, didn't always, you know, we didn't really know each other very well back then. And actually, she was playing guitar at Berkeley at that point, but she's amazing. Um, 
and she tours with lots of different folks. She plays with, you know, just a lot of Nashville folks. Um, and then uh, um, Nicole, Nicole Lee on guitar. And Nicole Lee is actually a really great bass player by trade. And so she would sub for me if I'd have to sub out a gig. Um, but then she also plays great guitar. So <laughs> now she plays guitar. But the whole idea behind the band was that, you know, we're mostly playing covers and it would be a way for us to have our own thing as people who are used to being sidemen who are, you know, sort of at the whim of their employers to have their own band and just to have, you know, make our own schedule, do our own shows, but then also have it be set up in such a way that we can sub out when somebody yeah. has to inevitably go on the road. If you pull together a bunch of side guys, side girls. Um, so we started playing downtown Broadway and it just very quickly became a really cool hang and a place where all women who wanted to just get up on stage could come and play because so often as a, a woman, you know, if you want to sit in on a gig you got to walk up to a bunch of dudes, you know, and just be like, Hey, I, I play, can I play in your sandbox? You know? <laughs> and so, so we, we've set it up in such a way that it's so much more approachable and, uh, and it's so much fun. And awesome. those are really the moments when the crowd gets super excited. When somebody from the crowd is like, fuck it, I'm going up there, you know, <laughs> I'm, I'm going in. And, uh, and it's such a triumph, even if, if it's like, you know, really not bad, you know, if it's not great, that they they put themselves out there and they took a chance. It yeah. just means so much to people. And, and so you have you have badasses up there that are, you know, can carry you along. Yeah, exactly. And we totally know how to, you know, just give the layups folks through it. And yeah, it's so great. Set them up for the win. Yeah. And it's uh, and it's awesome. It's it's been really, really rewarding. And um, during all this covid stuff they've just been my my sisters just a rock for me to have stuff to look forward to and we make these um these videos where we each will start with the drums and you know we'll do like a scratch guitar and send it around with drum tracks and build it and videotape ourselves and put it all together i mean everyone's doing it now but we we did it we did it first we uh, did it we did it first we we uh we put one of those out right at the beginning of all this and, and got a lot of like, how did you do that? Do you, are you all together? Like, no, I wish we could all, you know, be in a room together doing this yeah. or, you know, figuring it out or doing it all at the same time. But there's not really great technology that I'm aware of that lets you remotely play together without latency issues. So I wish somebody yeah. would fix that. Yeah, um, you really can't. You really can't do it. Yeah. So we've we've found ways to do it, but it keeps us engaged and, and keeps things going. And so we do have some original songs. Um they're definitely more on the uh kind of like tongue in cheek side of the spectrum. And so we uh we've finally started recording them. My husband has been uh, producing it and he's been he's really managed to do some cool stuff during all of this so he used to run a studio in nashville called sorted noise and they 
and they're, they're still going, but he sold his interest in the company at the end of 2012 with their focus as making music for film and TV. And so he's gotten back into that and, and what's happening because he was still touring with Sugarland. So hmm. we are both, you know, touring musicians. And so he's just back in the producer seat and he's working on our EP. So we send stuff, everyone sends stuff in remotely and he puts it all together. And, um, you know, and uh, with all this stuff, I mean, you know, I don't, I don't really know. There's, there's not like a grand plan of we're going to go on the road or we're going to do whatever. It's just kind of like, we love playing music. We love hanging out. We're, we're going to, put out some stuff <laughs> yeah. so. as an idea we'll put something out and yeah cool, cool and uh no pressure yeah and we've you know it's just fun we've gotten to play uh the intermissions at a lot of the hockey games here in town so oh, that we've like been so doing that fun. it is so fun it really it really was a blast we had a great time uh doing that so hopefully when all this stuff starts getting up and running again we'll we'll jump back into some of that stuff and um yeah, it's just a great a great project to do cool, fun opportunities for people that just want to have a good time enjoying music and uh, you know, hanging out with your crazy girlfriends. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, it's great. I mean, it sounds like fun to me. It is. It's a good time. <laughs> it's a good time. Awesome. Uh, do you have anything else that you think we might have missed? Or? I think we should impeach Donald Trump. <laughs> Is that, is that allowed? I think, I think it's happening. It's, it's probably between between when we started and now. It's, yeah, it's probably, probably happened. It's probably already happened. Yeah. No. Well. Uh, uh, thanks. Thanks for doing it. I really appreciate it. Like this is awesome. Thank you so oh, much. Well, thanks for having me. This is super fun to chat with you. Thank you so much for checking out the episode with Annie. I hope you enjoyed it. Please rate, review, subscribe to the podcast. And if you want to email into the podcast, email afterthegigpod at gmail.com. Send in questions. You can also check out the Patreon at patreon.com slash afterthegig. And also the merch store at my website, jessehumphrey.com. That's it. And I will see you next time. Goodbye. Whoa, Black River. Gonna take my cares away Whoa, Black River Gonna take my cares away Gonna take my cares, gonna carry my cares Take my cares away Kiss, carry my kiss, take my kiss away. Oh,
take my kids away. Thank you. We have one more song for y'all.